Hi, everybody. This is the Salt Church's podcast. It's Parker and Jesse here, and we have very special guests, my parents, Bob and Mavis Green. Today, we're going to be talking about something that I think Jess and I have been talking about a lot lately, and that is uh, the Jesus People Movement. And that happened here in Southern California, where we are. Um, well, it started here in Southern California, where we are. I'd say in the late 60s and through the early 70s, and I think a lot of the churches that people are even in today and the movements people are a part of today came out of that and sprung up from that. And a lot of the pastors that are starting to actually retire out here now are mm-hmm. were originally um, in the Jesus movement. So we're just going to ask them a bunch of questions about it. And I mean, I'm really curious about it, but these are two Jesus people, yeah, <laughs> literally two Jesus people, um, and that's what they would have been called back then. Um, <laughs> that uh, that we're going to talk to about what it what it was like um, then. Jess, did you want to say anything? Um, yeah, we're just excited because we think that one of the the best things that we can do is like learn in history about things that have happened um, in different times of history, so we can learn. And see, like, what things that they did great, what things maybe we could learn from so we're not making the same mistakes. Because the worst thing we could do is not learn from the generations before us. And so we're really excited to see what God's doing here in Orange County and across the world. But also how to not lose revival, but really sustain it and make disciples and really help people become followers of Jesus. And so we're really excited because these are people that no matter what kind of circumstances or situations they they were in when they could have given up a thousand times, they're just continuing to follow Jesus. And so we're hoping that ourselves and you, the listeners, can just really learn a lot today. And so also, if you have any questions for them that you want us to email them, you can write them in the comments, and we would love to pass those questions along to them um, to answer for you. So I guess um, the first thing is maybe you guys can just tell um, a little bit about yourselves and just introduce yourselves to everyone. All right. <laughs> well, we I'm I moved to um, California in 1973, and Bob grew up in Manhattan Beach, California. So we met at church one evening at a Bible study. Um, and he had long hair and lamb chops, and I had my long skirt on with a big bow tie in the back, and we were very much in the hippie culture, um, and we loved it. Like, uh, it was really, really fun to meet like that, and I think that I was 18, and he was 24, and he was determined that I was going to be his wife, and uh, lo and behold, he did a really good sales job. In six months, we were married. Mm. And then a couple years later, we had our first child, and we moved up to Washington State for 28 years. And uh, then we came back down here for a while, and we just absolutely love California. And it's kind of the birthplace of everything that's happened to us and all of our dreams. I I went through Vietnam, got home from Vietnam, uh, 1970, and um, I was really wrecked. Uh, the political time at that point was a lot like it is now, just a lot of upheaval. And uh, so I just uh, bar hopped for about a year and uh, came to a point where I was just stuck. I didn't know what to do. So I talked to my uh, my brother and my sister because they were going to a little Baptist church in Manhattan Beach. 
And I said, what do I do? He says, well, you got to ask Jesus in your life. And I said, well, I've tried everything else. I'll try Jesus, see how that works. So almost 50 years later, here we are. And uh, it was really great because uh, <clears throat> I had a date with my sister's friend, and she was, had, she was a great gal. Anyway, we went to a concert on uh, Saturday night in Costa Mesa, California. It was uh, a big tent. Um, what's his name? Calvary uh, Chapel. Calvary Chapel. Chuck, Chuck Smith. Chuck Smith, yeah. A lot of these guys that came out of the drug culture at that time, and a lot of these guys were on the beach just doing whatever, uh, had gotten saved. And so they had a band and a concert every uh, Saturday night. So they packed that place out, and the guy called uh, everybody forward and wanted to ask Jesus in their life. My heart leapt, but I didn't go. <laughs> but on the way home, I told this girl, I said, I really want what that is. So I accepted Jesus on the way home on, in a truck, a 60th. Two Chevy I had at that point. <laughs> Do you remember who played that night? Uh, was it like Keith Green or anybody like that? No, who was it? It could have been, uh, I don't even remember the names of the guys. Oh gosh, there was Love Song. Love and, Song. And, and, um, home Alone. Not Home Alone. <laughs> <laughs> Road Home. Road Home. Was Road Home. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Andrew, Andrew Crouch and the Disciples. And, yeah. It was, just, <laughs> it was just a lot of fun and uh, just tons of guys and... So I got saved, and um, somebody said, you have to find a church. So I said, okay. I'll, I don't know how I'm going to do that, but I'd been going to a Lutheran church in my life, and it was a little bit different than what I wanted at that point in my life. So I was watching TV one day, and then here comes uh, Calvary Chapel down at Pirate's Cove in, in, uh, in Newport Beach. They're having a baptism. There's hundreds of people in the water down there. And a friend of mine from high school, Barry Felis, walks across the screen, and I go... So it's on TV? Yeah, on live TV. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I uh, I called Barry up. He says, Barry, I just got saved. I need a church. What's going on? He says, well, there's this little church in Manhattan Beach called Hope Chapel, and uh, uh, you can go there. So I showed up, and uh, there was about 50 people there with bell bottoms, long hair, and, <laughs> and uh, I... Sooner or later, I became the uh, youth pastor slash janitor and met Mavis, and she was the the office manager at that point. Ooh. It was really fun. I actually <laughs> led worship there, too, so you can believe that. But Anyway. You did it all. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was Early church days. Day. Yeah, really, you did. I played the piano. He led worship, believe it or not. You guys are classic. Yeah. I... So t- tell us, like... I'm really curious as to just because we can't like travel in time. I can only like really read books and look at pictures and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, like, what did it? What was the atmosphere like? Like, what did it feel like out here? Yeah, like walking around the streets and like doing stuff. Like, what what was it like? It was exciting, man. They, we'd go down to the Manhattan Pier all the time, <laughs> or Hermosa Pier. Redondo Pier. So those were the three areas that we lived in so when we first Bay, got here yeah. in the South Bay. Yeah, and um, I was kind of shy, actually. Like, Bob would just have, like, this handful of, of flyers that he'd want to hand tracks. out to people. Tracks. tracks. Yeah, <laughs> tracks. And so we'd walk down the Strand, and um, I'd hold them for him. And then he'd <laughs> hand them out and engage people all the time. And then once he had them engaged, then we would have a conversation together. But... He was just really out in the open like that. There were other churches doing the same thing. So there was 
a lot of people that were just expecting to be encountering Christians. And it was so like very normal. everywhere from miracles to like people going, oh, like you have to be really strict in your church. We're going, no, you just love Jesus. Like this is about Jesus. And so it really was a Jesus movement. And, and we really felt like um, just super excited about it all the time. And it was really obvious to us. Like when we met, one of the things that drew us together is both of us had the dream to literally lead people and to build church. But um, we just really wanted always for Jesus to be the very center of it. So right after we got married, like when we met, he was he had a job and a high-rise, high-rise doing carpentry work and stuff. And then we came back from our wedding. We drove down the coast, came back. I started working at a daycare, and he started going to Bible college full time and worked at night as well. So, <laughs> but we had we I think our we looked at our tax return. We made six thousand dollars our first year total. Wow. Um, yeah, and and but people That's would amazing. just <laughs> we would pray and people would just slide money under the door wow. at the right time. We would get. Like um, all the provision was all there. All the provision yeah. was always there, and it looked like absolutely That's all tax-free, too. Yeah. We lived on a hill that in Hermosa, and the windows overlooked the ocean. You could see Catalina really during pretty. the day, and That's breeze awesome. would blow through. It was like perfect. It was. We were pretty <laughs> it was, happy. It was awesome. Were people just like really receptive to the gospel then? For, for the most part, people, if they weren't, they were kind, you know. Right. Once in a while, I know there's a couple of cases where people got, you know, got guns pulled on them. For, Whoa. Uh, <laughs> they were pretty aggressive uh, evangelists. Yeah. But, um, for the most part, if you just meet people where they were, they were, yeah. you know, pretty congenial. So it was fun. Yeah. And it was an atmosphere of, uh, of joy and happiness. And, you know, we were just looking for something different. We had come out of that. That whole Vietnam era, and that was it was pretty awful and pretty mm-hmm. hard. And um, we came out of an era too of uh, where our, our parents' churches didn't quite live up to what we needed, you mm-hmm. know. And we just wanted something real, and mm-hmm. that brought us to something real. So. Yeah, Hope Chapel was a really wonderful place. Like I got baptized there. They had a a stage where they just push back the sides and then there was a big pool in the middle and so I got baptized there. I'd been a Christian for many years in Washington State, but um, they never even talked about baptism. As a matter of fact, in the Presbyterian Church I grew up in, I loved the people there, but I don't remember ever hearing about salvation. Hmm. Um, I heard about that by going to a church just in the next city over like 12 miles from there. And um, they would sing these songs that just moved me and I'd never heard anything like them. They were like new Christian songs, like to mm. God be the glory. And just they would surround the place and begin to sing that. And the Spirit just really moved there. And I remember being baptized in the Holy Spirit and really following Jesus with all of my heart. And shortly after that is when I moved to California. And God just, like within a week, I started going to Hope Chapel. Bob and I hung out with a lot of friends that had the same belief system. And we just would go to dinners all together in these restaurants down like Bob's Jr. or whatever, right along Pacific Coast Highway, Mm -hmm. and just talk about Jesus and go, like, actually feel like we were drunk. We'd go out in the parking lot laughing so hard. Mm -hmm. Like, I think a lot of it was us getting filled, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, preparing for a life of being able to give that to people. I don't think, 
our teaching was really full of like what to do with what we heard. Right. So you're having like the God encounter and experience and like almost like the transformation of your mind of like, okay, this is actually real, but maybe there's like some confusion of like, okay, so what do we do now that this is real? So like lots of people getting saved, but maybe um, like different bodies kind of trying to work out like, okay, what do we do now that we're having these God encounters? Because we've heard like some stories of people where like these drug addicts were like seeing Jesus on their acid trips (laughs) and Yeah. yeah, and then trying to figure out like, okay, do I, like, keep doing drugs <laughs> or, like, and follow Jesus, and what does that look like? <laughs> and so there there seems like there was just a huge harvest yeah. at the time. Yeah. It was a real experience of freedom that I think most people had never hmm. experienced before. So I think the freedom was extremely real, and I think that one thing we learned very clearly is tell other people so they can be born again as well. And yeah. I think that's where we fed on a lot of milk, but we needed to to just kind of grow in that situation. And so I think that a lot of people were getting born again. And, and then different things began to happen, like there would be discipleship programs, or what did they Shepherding call movement. that? Shepherding movement. And some people had shepherds that were true fathers in the faith, and other people had shepherds who were controlling. So it was kind of like right. being taught how to go back to the gospel go back to the word and go, does this agree with the word or not, is what we realized in hindsight we needed more of because of kind of the path that happened to us. But honestly, the Holy Spirit is so faithful that like no matter what you went through, we actually know that that time in our life is what cemented such a such a deep love for Jesus Mm -hmm. that no matter what else we went through, it's like that's all we wanted. We just kept looking for, not to go back to that, but a deeper and deeper and deeper love for Jesus. Yeah. So we just, we wanted that. And he took us through all kinds of things that we made bad decisions or whatever, but he is faithful. And boy, are we excited because like today and the movement that we are still living in and going through is bigger than ever and our dreams are more fulfilled than they've ever been. I think if I was going to do that part over again, when I first got saved, first met Mavis and was around in the South Bay, um, it would have been good if there were some old guys like me now <laughs> seeking out those young men. And um, Because I didn't know for nothing. I just came out of the world or came off you know, whatever I was doing. I didn't know what to do in Christianity. And for have somebody to guide and direct me and hold my hand. And how do you choose that one? I don't know. Just really pray hard about that and know that God will bring in, bring someone to you and help you out. But I think it's important that we, we get strong in the Word and we read Acts. We know what the apostles did. And it's very simple. You just get closer and closer to Jesus. As you get closer to Him, um, He'll draw close to you. And less and less of you will be available and more and more of Him will be presented to the people out there. And you can stop people on the street and bless them and heal them and uh, all those things like that. Yeah. So. so it really is pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Very simple. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it seems like that was one of like the beautiful things about the Jesus People movement was the... <laughs> um, the like simplicity of it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Where even like I feel like they were taking the Bible like quite literally, like opening up their homes to mm-hmm. people and mm-hmm. you, we hear so many stories of like 
people having needs and the body really like taking care of those needs and like homeless people like living in the houses mm-hmm. of believers like yeah the kids the kids were getting saved off the street and these communal homes started popping up everywhere it started in San Francisco here and Huntington Beach had it, then it just went ballistic all over you the country you had a lot of people live in your home yeah I haven't lived in a one bedroom house with six guys in my house bunk beds <laughs> so. but we all surfed together we all ate together we went to church together and and if we had any issues, we talked to each other, and it was really, it was really good. Well, it wasn't that uncommon for one of you guys to pick up a hitchhiker, and that person would be there yeah. the night. Sometimes they'd steal something, sometimes they yeah. wouldn't, but it didn't matter. I mean, all the guys did Probably wanted to have love much, them. Much we didn't to have steal. Much. <laughs> oh no, it wasn't really. It didn't matter. It didn't really matter. You know, no, we were happy. Didn't you didn't worry about it. Right. Well, you're having such a real relationship with Jesus that. You lose your TV, but you have the kingdom yeah. instead. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're starting to see a move towards that now again mm-hmm. with our generation. And just you know, we're Jess and I are kind of old millennials. We're at the top end of it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, we experienced life without cell phones for a little bit, um, but uh, we're starting to see them move into the communal living again. Mm-hmm. So some of those like early signs of of Jesus people type movements are starting mm-hmm. to like kind of rustle around Southern yeah. California. Yeah. And the more people we talk to, the more everyone's kind of sensing something similar. There's a generational yeah. shift happening too with, mm-hmm. you know, more institutional churches. People are kind of bouncing around them and going, okay, so what do I do now? Right. You know what I mean? After I leave on Sunday, what, like what happens? Yeah. Um, and what, like, what about what Jesus promises? So um, <clears throat> if you guys were to give, you know, like I guess a word of advice to um, a, um, a movement that I think is um, a seed that's just popping out of the ground. I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. What like what word of advice would you give to um, what they call millennials? Or it's a generation I feel like is pretty similar to the Jesus people. Like they mm-hmm. they want to live together. They want something genuine. They want tangible power. They want to see God move in people's lives. Like authenticity, yeah. like the big yeah. word. Number of, one, yeah. Yes. Not that they next. Not that we necessarily practice authenticity, but we appreciate it when we see it. I guess. <laughs> well, I think like during uh, during that Jesus movement, there guys were looking for something real, for honesty in in the older people, and the people that were presenting the gospel or presenting church to them. It was they were on the hunt for that, and I think mm-hmm. the guys today are they want the same thing. I mean, the discernment of, of people out there is really, really good. So they can tell whether somebody's telling them a bunch of BS or, right. or not. So I think, first of all, I would find a, a place that uh, just practices what they practice in Acts and a place that has signs and wonders and miracles and believes in the Bible and that they have a multitude of different kind of people in there, maybe. Some old folks like me, you know, mm-hmm. and... Where you walk in the room, I remember as a kid that my grandma and grandpa would walk in the room and actually stand up and hmm. and honor them because of who they were and what their age was. Now, whether they were nice or not, I still had to do that. But I think today we need to do that. We need to maybe teach some etiquette to some of the guys, you know, and to honor how to honor people and not just be very self-centered. And everybody is to some point. I was a lot too, but I learned fast that it's important to do that. But I think find a place that's that's rock solid and how do you do that use your discernment and ask God you know and if the people are 
are caring about you and loving you like Jesus loved the people in uh, Acts and the Gospels, then I think that's in a, a good place to be. Yeah. Well, I think having, like what you guys are doing, inviting people, I know that you have no boundaries as far as ages and different things. You just love people and invite them in. And you've always been amazing <clears throat> at honoring us too, like the way that when you guys were pastoring even in New York and where we still live, we look for community so that we can really have the people around us that are in agreement with what the Spirit of God is doing. So like um, where we live, we live in like brownstones in New York, and yet people are really wanting to gather community and kind of move into same neighborhoods because I think there's a real need that we want to just, we don't want to just go to church together. We want to do life together. Right. We want to like meet somebody for coffee or have them over and watch a movie or just do everyday life. And whether you do that in an organized fashion or you do it just with friends, I think that having those people around you, you end up, you know, the word talks about, talk about testimonies in the morning and at noon and before you go to bed mm. and it becomes a way of life to where it builds your faith this morning just naturally parker had something on youtube about miracles happening and i'm weeping while mm. i'm while i'm making cheese crackers in the microwave you know <laughs> just going this is how life is meant to be and mm. the more we build each other up in that and the testimonies come out the more we're going to just go out on the street and see everywhere see miracles happen and the life of god happen and i think that is really similar to the Jesus movement, but I think each time it's happening, mm -hmm. there's like we are, like you said, learning from it and going, what can we do where we really see the life of Jesus living in us? So it's not right. like how so and so does it or how they do it or kind of a split split climate. In it's a it's the church as right. one coming together, going, we mm -hmm. want to see Jesus and His love manifest through us individually. So that's really what it's all about. Do you guys feel like, um, so like a lot of people said that after the Jesus people movement, there was like kind of splits and uh, like some bodies were like, basically you can do whatever you want. And like, Jesus still loves you. Like keep doing drugs and whatever. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. And then other bodies like almost in like reaction to the Jesus people movement became like very controlling and like a lot of like cults formed and stuff like that because people were mm -hmm. so hungry to follow Jesus. How do you like, if something like that starts to happen again and people start getting saved, like, just rapidly kind of like how it was then how do you like steward that well without being controlling but still having like a leadership where people are safe um and it's not like out of control without um I guess like quenching the spirit and mm -hmm. controlling people's callings and all of that stuff mm -hmm. how do you kind of I guess, make sure that doesn't happen this next time around. Um, I, I know accountability is a, almost a four-letter word sometimes, but um, <laughs> I, think that's, Louder, I, think. I think that really needs to happen. And I think as leaders, we need to be accountable to people, uh, honestly accountable to them, not just to Jesus alone, but to other people so that if we have issues that come up, if we have a sin that so easily besets us, that constantly is dragging us down or has an anchor around us, we need to, you know, 
have a place that we can trust one another and express those things and mm-hmm. get get that transformation process going even faster. Yeah. Well, literally having a human being that you can connect with. Yeah. I think that we we try to like we do pastoral care, you know, or care for people where we are, but it's really different to just kind of oversee like a whole bunch of people and make sure that they get flowers if something bad happens right. or to have unique individuals watching out for unique individuals that are trustworthy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, there's different ways of doing it, I guess. But for us in a community group or whatever, we're really trying to see more and more that when you have 10 people in your community group, they're not just somebody that you have over once a week and that's the end and we're teaching a book. Right. You, you develop relationships with them. You have accountability system where people like that are leaders of these groups are godly and they and they are um, able to speak into these people's lives and actually take them out for coffee, see how they're doing, challenge them. So right. I think it's really important. Like I, looking back, one thing I would have loved is to have somebody challenge me. Uh, another thing I would have loved is if I was going off the rails or something or kind of going down my own things, having somebody help me. Like, just by asking questions and going, where did you get that? What does the scripture say? Where is Jesus? How does, how, and teach me, like, what does discernment of that mean? And, like, are you doing this because it really feels good? Because, to be honest, one of the things that we did a lot then is, like, it's Jesus if it feels good. And it's like, that's not true. Right. But but when you, like, one little thing like that, if you don't have a system. Yeah. If if you don't have a system of, of, like, understanding that the word doesn't just help you feel good like salvation is great but it's also not easy all the time if you're gonna challenge your life oh my goodness (laughs) yeah like the spirit of the disciplines where you really choose to discipline your life so you can become more godly and after all we're living like towards eternity we're not just living for right now so sometimes feeling good isn't about it at all so think having people Teach people, teach people, teach people, which is commonly called discipleship. And yeah, it sounds a lot like discipleship. Yeah, as you're yeah, saying that, I'm does. like, do you mean discipleship? Yeah. <laughs> but I think it happens, you know, it, it has to start at the top. So if it's a big church organization, it's like awesome when your pastors are going, we want people to be godly. And they're speaking like not just good sermons, but literally pouring life into people right. every yeah. week about how to become more <clears throat> like Jesus. It's really centered around that right. and we're just really blessed to be that and we and have that where we are and we also have you guys in our lives and we're just seeing the fruit right. in, in our lives through our own children and through the people that are in our lives <laughs> like really starting to hunger for that I, I think there has to be a hunger for it too and and there also has to be a place where that need can be met right. so what do you think like I've, I was thinking about this question the other day I feel like a lot of people maybe walk into church or have a different kind of experience where they meet Jesus, right? Right. And they say a certain kind of prayer or whatever it is that they take their first step in, in following Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Um, why do you think, and why do you think maybe this happened to you guys and you can share a personal story, but when it comes to the Jesus movement, when it comes to people finding Jesus in church or um, in one-on-one conversations or um, you know, through a, even a TV program, whatever it is. Like in a um, truck or whatever. Yeah, or in a truck, driving somewhere. Why do you think it is that after a while, people become less excited about Jesus? Because I feel like the, 
I feel like the Jesus people movement was like boiling over. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was like red hot. Like you could, you know, you could put a stick in the mud and call it a church gathering and a thousand people would turn up, right? Because you had such so much momentum and so many people were so excited about Jesus that they'd tell everyone, mm-hmm. like, we're getting together, we're getting together. And you can kind of see the book of Acts happening there mm-hmm. where like they were gathering every day because they're just so excited about what God is doing. Why do you think it is that over time, maybe that dwindled off or dwindled off in you personally? And then uh, did, he, did you get it back? Like, why, why would we be less excited about Jesus after a couple of years of being with him and being with his people. For me, one thing that happened is there really weren't signs and wonders. Like, I know that sounds weird, but we had a lot of salvation and a lot of excitement. But people in many, many of these situations would kind of dull down the baptism of the Holy Spirit hmm. or just kind of go, well, signs and wonders don't happen everywhere. And so, like, there wasn't a, a, a like, a really active movement all over of like the power of Mm. Jesus Christ that there was in Acts. So I think the power of God and the movement of God in the, in the, just going out and on the streets and seeing it like for real, like it's like we had all this love boiling up, but the power, the dynamite that Bob was learning about Bible college, the dunamis and like what was happening back then, it was like so that people would come and we wouldn't offend people. We just kind of dull that down a little bit. Hmm. So there'd be wonderful gatherings, great worship, but not always very much of like the power and authority of what was happening with Jesus. And then you had like pendulum swing, like John Wimber, mm-hmm. where they were like all power mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. like missing like discipleship mm-hmm. and training people mm-hmm. in that. So it was like repent, yeah. see the power. Now go show it to people. <laughs> right. And when I look at Acts, I look at the fact that it seems to me that they were they really took responsibility for like a new believer like they were their baby. Like hmm. they couldn't just leave them. They had to bring them up and there was a lot of oppression. So you either believed or you didn't all the way to the core. There was right. no middle like ground. Like life or death. Yes. Yeah, that's one of the issues we're running into in Orange mm-hmm. County for sure. Mm-hmm. is there's this tipping point of Chris, Christians or so-called like Jesus followers that don't have a family, right? So they just kind of bounce around from one experience to another. Mm-hmm. And kind of weeding those people out as we go along has been a really like Difficult. kind of interesting yeah. interesting process. Mm-hmm. So, Dad, what, do you, what did you think on that last question? Why do you think that happens over time? I think that uh, f- for me personally, I, I needed to get into the Word right away mm-hmm. more. Not just reading it, but studying it and seeing what Jesus did. Because basically what he did, he came alongside these guys, showed them what he was doing. Then he sent them out and says, go do this. Yeah. And they did it. Yes. Yeah. Go do it. And they come back and go, this is what happened. Why did this happen? Why didn't that happen? We weren't so good at that casting out demons thing. He says, well, and then when the the Acts chapter 2 happened, when the, the Holy Spirit came down and just covered those guys with power that's when things started changing yeah and it, it never stopped you know for how many centuries you know a century maybe at least three at least three and yeah. here we are how many 50 years later when the <laughs> jesus movement happened and there's a revival again starting to happen but i think for me it would have been if i would have had somebody come alongside me show me what to do yeah and how to do it and we had we had a couple like that a great couple but they moved to montana 
They're like, please come back. Yeah. <laughs> I wish they would have moved to them with them. Yeah. But he he already had teenage daughters. He's he was well established in the community. He was a strong man of God. Him and his wife had their act together, you know, more than most people. And so I think that would be the biggest thing for me. Find someone that really mm-hmm. loves the Lord, that continues to it's like working out. If you if you stop, you go to atrophy. Right. And, and right. that's good. That's really yeah. good. So Yeah. Do you think, did, did you guys know that you were in the middle of a revival that people would be writing about and that would like be in Time Magazine and like no, kind of bring Jesus to the forefront again? No, no, because actually at the same time that there were just, you know, like real live hippies. So, you know, it was love power and all that stuff. I mean, just like right. love everybody, love, love, so like love, all love, this love. like spiritual and so, stuff. Yeah. And, and so being spiritually alive and that were kind of, people were kind of picking between the two. And so sometimes they would say that they were following Jesus, but then they go, but I really like, you know, LSD a lot. And and, and, and so, you know, it would be still though, like he had one of the roommates that like he is, his brain in some ways had been fried, Yeah. but he was so in love with Jesus and he'd be bringing people home all the time. And so the spirit of God was moving through all of it. And you just were in the middle of it, just going, I think we've found it, you know, but you don't realize it's making history. You don't realize that you look back and you go, wow, like that that, was crazy. That was crazy. (laughs) And not only did we truly find Jesus, but I think because our life had a lot of mix in the middle, like between now and there was probably 20 years of big challenges, um, that in spite of that, and I think we're able to look back and say many people's lives that look like maybe they didn't hang in there with Jesus. I think after years, that seed was very real. The Holy Spirit just yeah. wove his way through that thread of so many people's lives. And I think what we're going to find now is a lot of people that were in the Jesus movement, whether they Start like time. are giants today because they stayed super strong the whole time right. or whether they went through hell and back. They're still going to be able to bring so much more to it because there are still a lot of people our age, younger, like we were with a lot of junior high kids that just were totally turning their life over to Jesus. And those young people, we learned a lot from them because they just believed and moved forward and saw miracles daily. So It's almost like that verse that says like, and the old men will like dream dreams Mm -hmm. and how, stop, and how... (laughs) Just like like there's a a partnership between like the old and the mm-hmm. young again about like having vision together and yeah. like like being on the same page because it almost seems like the older generation were like kind of missed out on the Jesus people movement like it was so much of these like younger hippie guys and I almost I feel like it would be so cool if in this like next wave it was that older generation mm-hmm. with the younger generation of yeah. like, all right, let's do this together. Amen. And so one thing I have to ask you guys is like, so uh, like in our culture, obviously like we have full access, to like technology and media and mm-hmm. all of, we have like endless resources. Like if I want to listen to any sermon of anyone anywhere around the world, I have to take five seconds to Google it. Um, How do you think, like, that is going to affect this, like, current move of God? I, I, you know, I I think it's very exciting. I think that uh, more and more people could be brought into the kingdom with uh, electronics and uh, technology. 
uh, used correctly. I mean, just like watching that video this morning we watched and had these people getting baptized and delivered from from uh, demons and just everything happened to them. Their lives were transformed right on the street. And the guy right. had the gumption to get out and just walk on the street and pray for people. Do you need mm. help? <laughs> have healings on, on the spot. So I think technologies can change, you know, if used correctly, can really be an asset. Mm. I mean, you can get the kingdom of God out there right. for millions of millions of people where you can't, you can sit in here in your front room <laughs> and send this uh, audio out to millions of people if you want. Hopefully millions. Hopefully millions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. Yes. Do you think, um, like, there will be people that believe that they're maybe in community and not, though, because of technology as well? Like, almost, because one of the things we're seeing kind of is people almost feeling like they're, like, part of a church body, and they're never really around mm-hmm. people at all. Mm-hmm. And so, is there, like, any kind of, like, caution that you have with... With that, I think if you're not practicing the gospel, it, it, whether you're hearing it on technology, whether you're um, going to a church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday afternoon, Tuesday for practice, I mean, no matter what, if you're not actually engaging in what the Spirit is telling you as you, as you learn, as you grow, if you're not actually going out and doing that, number one, I think that you're, you're in a place where you're just feeling full but really nothing's happening and so (laughs) but I also think you do need to have at least a community of believers around you or you'll naturally like in the bible it says you'll know we were Christians by your love you'll naturally want to be with other people and attract them from what you've learned Mm -hmm. because it's very natural as a Christian to want to talk about it, to share it, to <laughs> right. be with other people. So I think you have to see the signs of Christianity like, and, and see you begin to grow. And I mean, this is at different rates for every human being. There's no like, hey, we're going to measure you in two weeks and see if you're doing this. But right. I think that it stirs life in you. And, you know, that's the thing about technology. You can hear really great stuff and, and be able to actually get the gospel message totally deep in your heart from it. But you can also get false teaching. So right. you need you need to be able to know the word and to have people to bounce that off of and say, what do you think? Like, this really felt right, but man, something's just not clicking with me. So right. I do think you still need people around you, no matter how much technology we've got, if at all possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like nothing really replaces human interaction. No. No, never will. No. We weren't made to be alone. We've tried reclusing before, and it just doesn't work. <laughs> nope. Um, our separation, our intimacy, which meaning our connection to each other as a husband and wife, just really goes away if we don't have a, a body of believers and people to 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 be with us, pray for us. We have needs and things like that. And us for them. It's life-giving to give. It's Mm -hmm. it's so life-giving to be able to give to other people and see the lights go on. It's my favorite thing. When you've spent, whether it's just one time you sit with them, or maybe it's somebody you've spent a year with off and on, and suddenly the lights go on, you know, the Spirit (laughs) of God comes alive and life literally changes for them. Like, there's nothing like that. And you can't see that just just over right. you know, social media. <laughs> right. you know? And being responsible for social media, I think, is really important, too. Like, when we were young, none of this was around. Right. And so you can have it, and you can do wonderful things with it, but it's kind of like money. You can do great things with it, or you can really mess up with it. Because once it's out there, 
it's out there. Yeah, it magnifies whoever the person is. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In and of itself, right. it's not evil or just good. Like money. It's just, just like, like money. Just like money. Yep. So, I mean, we're going to wrap up here in a second, but um, I wanted to ask you guys a couple of things before we wrap up. And one of them was, so over the next like 20, 30 years of your life, mm-hmm. um, as you know, you guys move into your kind of, I guess, Twilight. The autumn of our life. The years. The yeah, the sunset. I think it's winter. Sunset. The autumn and winter. We maybe. Have summer, <laughs> the summer of your years. Yeah. The best days yeah. ahead. So, so yeah. So as you guys move into that part of your life, what's what's one thing that you want to, and each of you can answer this um, separately. Um, what's one thing that you want to leave behind? Um, you in, invested into other people. Like, what's if you could give one word of advice? through all that you've learned, all that you guys have been through, through the Jesus People movement, through the ups and the downs of uh, your marriage and raising a family, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what's like one piece of advice you'd give to someone that's, say, 35 and under? Or what would you say to your 30-year-old self? I think for me, just to never give up. If you made a commitment to God, He's made a commitment to you. Hmm. That's good. And He's got a... We've got a brother in Jesus that's sits at the throne of the, of God praying for us all the time. And I, I'm constantly now wanting to be closer to him. I think that's the biggest thing I want to leave, is showing people that you can't do it without him. And um, as, as he draws close to me, I draw close to him. He continues to bless me with, yeah. with uh, favor, with, with uh, more love for Mavis, and more love for people, no matter what race or what ideas they have or what, whether they're Democrats or Republicans or they aren't anything. Um, it just, he gives me a love for people that I've never had before. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I would like to leave. A legacy of, you know, Jesus and love. And, you know, it sounds a little bit trite, but it's not. Because right. I think we're all seeking after something like that. And I think that uh, that's what I would love to live, to leave. Hmm. You know, that the words that I speak were encouraging and uplifting and transforming. That people's lives would change at the words that I speak to them. Yeah, it's beautiful. Mm. And I think, for me, it's like what became evident to me and what I would love to tell my 30-year-old or 20-year-old self is um, don't just memorize the word, but get it deep in your heart so that 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 word speaks to you in everything that you do and pray mm. without ceasing because I believe that having that word come alive in you, like for the biggest trials we went through in our lives, when I began to read the word and really know that I knew that I knew hmm. that I knew that God was speaking to me and to my heart, he pulled, just by his word, pulled us yeah. out of a really dark, dark place in our life. Um, and I think that if I could leave with anybody the fact that as as you follow others and you're with others, make sure that you're not just depending on somebody else and letting them carry you through entirely in your Christian walk, right. but take responsibility. And you will know that people will know you're a Christian by your love, but they will also, like it says, signs and wonders follow those who believe. Yeah. So I believe we need to be like really a generation and we I mean before we die I want to see people in at, you know race from the dead I want right. to see like I have seen it and I have read the testimonies but I want to be 
there, like mm-hmm. when it's happening. And mm-hmm. I've seen, we've seen miracles. We've worked in healing rooms. We've just prayed for people. Just a couple words you think, oh, I don't even know <laughs> how much faith I have for this. And then they're healed entirely. So right. we've already seen that. I think that what I want to see in, and, and have people be able to be able to look at Bob and I and see is like they believed and they walked the walk. They didn't just talk the talk. Right. And I want to live like that because, you know, I, I just think it's important for us to be able to say, follow me as I follow Christ. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, a lot of the things you guys are saying is like, like if whether there is operating in power or just like the experience of Christ, there was like a missing of like, uh, like what Jesus did with his disciples of mm-hmm. like, like, let me show you how to do this. And then like you go and do it. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. it seemed like with the Jesus People movement, they were having the experience, but not necessarily equipped as to like how to go and do it. Yeah. And and then even like now, a lot of times, like we hear people where, like, they're just so hungry, but they don't know what to do or what next, or even like the Bible, like you said, like they think it's almost like a obli- a religious obligation. Mm-hmm. And I love what you said there because it's like if you realize that there's so much power in the word and really allowing the scripture to transform your life and wrestling with it and asking the Holy spirit to be your teacher Mm -hmm. and saying like, wait, did Jesus like really say this? Like Mm -hmm. all authority has been given. Like, cause I think sometimes we're just like, Oh, like these things are great, but letting it kind of sink into Mm -hmm. you and be like, okay, what do I do with that? If that's if that's really what God says, yep. we're supposed to raise the dead, cast out demons, <laughs> then it should be weird if that's not what we're seeing. Yeah, we should be looking into. We should be doing something about it, right. not just passing over that scripture. Right, but saying, hey God, why am I? Why is this not happening? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love awesome. that. I think for our age, it just makes it exciting to read the Bible if we know, like, wait, we have access to these things? Like, it's not just an old scripture, but, like, we can do that stuff now. Mm -hmm. And it's not just, like, a boring lecture or something. And it's not just for us. It's, It's for mankind. I mean, it's Jesus wants us to love people the way he did. Right. I don't know how you can do that without reading the word. You can just hit (laughs) and miss, and it's just like doing target practice for no apparent reason. You have to become like him, and you want to. The more you read, the more his word gets in you, the more you want Mm -hmm. to be like him. That's awesome. I think, too, uh, I'll say one more thing about that. Being married for 44 years has been a great thing. So anybody out there contemplating not ever wanting to get married, I really love it. <laughs> and it just gets better and better. So, and uh, I really found, too, that it was important for me not to think about me so much, but to think about others and care about them. Mm. And uh, so anyway. That's we, good. We get practice at that in being married. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> A lot, lot of practice. practice. <laughs> well, would you guys mind uh, just praying for us and praying for um, the audience, everyone listening? Yep. And then I'll, I'll close it up. Right. Mm-hmm. Lord, we're so, uh, so favored and so happy to be your kids. And um, Lord, it's just an honor to serve you. 
It's an honor to uh, have Parker and Jesse beginning a, a new adventure here in Orange County. And Lord, we just bless them, bless them and anoint them with your Holy Spirit and uh, guidance and direction and wisdom. Mm -hmm. And uh, anyone out there now that we're talking to that needs anything spiritually healed in them, we just speak healing to them by the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. uh, physical healings, uh, if there's any ankles out there that are, uh, are wrecked, we speak healing to those ankles. If there's anyone with any kind of depression, we come against the spirit of depression and just free you right now in Jesus' name. Mm. And um, again, Lord, we're thankful for what you've given us these years that we've been in this earth. We thank you for the, the mentors and the people that have come alongside of us and helped us out. We thank you for blessing us with four children that are serving you and many grandchildren that are on their way to serving you. Mm -hmm. And uh, thank you for that. Father, we just release like a uh, just a new and fresh anointing that you have um, prepared for us. I feel like there's just so much like just baskets and buckets of things over people's heads. Mm. And I just pray, Father, that you would burst those and it would just fall all over people right now, that mm. they would feel your anointing. They would know that it's you, Lord. And I, I pray, Father, that we would know that what to do with what it is that you give us. Like when someone gives you a, a gift of great value that you don't just kind of dismiss it and put it in a corner and forgot what you've done mm. with it, but that it becomes a special treasure, something that's worn around their neck, so to speak, that they, mm. they would walk with integrity, they would walk with peace, they would walk with great authority from the kingdom of heaven, and that when they look into other people's eyes from here forward, that they would see an eternity and know how important it is to love one another like you have loved us, Lord. I pray for great increase in people's ability to receive your love, great capacity to have more and more of you, Lord, in every person that's listening today, and for us specifically, Lord, that we would honor you, that we would honor the King, that we would walk through this life um, knowing that we've lived well and that we die magnificently, like knowing the glory of the King and sharing it with people every moment of the way. And thank you, Father, for this opportunity to share your name and your love with people. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for listening today. Make sure to subscribe and leave a rating for us on iTunes. That helps us a lot. And make sure you bring a friend next time you listen. Have a great day wonderful, awesome, stupendous day. <laughs>